This week in baseball, we had no hitters, a player hitting for the cycle, and an opposite hand, hand home run. In the NBA playoffs, we wonder which juggernaut in the West is going to advance further, and Rich Strike does the impossible at the Kentucky Derby, which has us all asking, what is the greatest upset in sports history? The Horn Brothers are here, Ben, Danny, and Riley. It's May 11th, 2022, and this is Sound the Horn Sports. Welcome back in on the Sound the Horn podcast. We're excited to be here with you. Ben, Riley, Danny, the Horn brothers, we're all here. And we are adding a new element to the show this time. We're doing some videos. So you can check us out now on YouTube, as well as seeing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We still have the Facebook page. Please join us on there. Like it. We're almost up to 200 followers. Almost. We're getting really, really close. 198 or something right now. Hitting that big time level. Yeah, that's right. And thanks for everyone that shouted out our mom for Mother's Day. Thanks, mom. We appreciate you. But we're going to jump in and talk a little bit here. And for those of you that are new to the program, if you're seeing the video for the first time, just who we are, we're just three regular brothers, sports fans, and we just get on here once a week and just talk about like our favorite sports stories. We're not experts. We don't want to have experts on the show. We just want to sit here and have fun. And hopefully you can have fun along with us. So the first thing that we're going to do, we have a little thing that we do at the start of each of our shows, which is called sounding off. And so, Ben, you've been a little frustrated with Major League Baseball right now, and you're going to sound off for a second. I'm going to hand it over to you. Talk to us just a little bit about umpiring. So why in the world do umpires feel the need to involve themselves in the baseball game. I don't understand why they think that it's about them, why there's this show, and why they're so freaking terrible. Like, I got strikes. I'm watching a game, and it's like every other pitch is wrong one way or the other, whether it's a ball being called a strike or a strike being called a ball. They can't make up their mind on plays. They get together, and then they make the wrong decision. I don't know if you saw what happened in that Toronto Yankees game, but how terrible was that Was that call? I mean, Garcia, I think Donaldson is, is a, no, Stanton hits a home run, right? And then immediately after that, right, Donaldson hits him with a fastball. No, Garcia hits Donaldson. That's what I mean. Garcia hits Donaldson. Sorry, I apologize. Garcia, Yimmy Garcia, hits Donaldson with a fastball on an 0-1 count after he threw him a slider on the first pitch. There is no way in the world that he's trying to hit that guy in a tie ball game when the Yankees just tied it up on an 0-1 count in the fifth inning, I think it was. It's cold night. Everybody, they've already been talking about it all night about how pitchers are having a hard time gripping the baseball. I think with this new baseball that we're seeing in baseball this year, it's already a bigger problem. And then the umpires get together. See, Riley, the baseballs are a problem. Or baseball's not a problem. The pitchers are the problems. Baseball's a problem. Anyways, it's not a problem. We can talk about that later on another day. 
But somehow the four umpires get together and have a two-minute meeting out in the middle of the infield and come up with the brilliant idea that because their faces are not seen enough on TV, they're going to toss him out of the game. And then he's going to be big, tough man because he was picked on as a kid in school. And so now he's a bully because he was given one inch of power and he's going to throw out the manager and the pitching coach. The pitching coach didn't even come out of the dugout, but because he says something, this man has to prove his manhood and throw a guy out. It is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. All I'm waiting for is John Boy Sports to give a breakdown of this because that guy's hilarious. I don't know if you guys watch him. Check him out. It's hilarious when he breaks down these things that happen. But this was the dumbest thing I've ever seen and the classic example of why umpires have been so atrocious this year. It goes back to other plays, other calls. Luckily, we have replay or else... Who knows how many missed calls it have. And now we got the strike zone. And I know Riley's all about, no, we got to have the human element with the strike zone and all this garbage. How about we throw strikes and balls and call balls and strikes? Not, oh, well, the umpire calls it six hey, inches outside. Go, go look okay at the rule book. Calls it six go look at the rule book, the MLB rule book. And tell me that strikes is a clear cut, cut and dry thing. It's real easy. It's, it's, it's not. Easy. Go look at the rule care. book. It's, it's the boss. If it's not real easy because it changes inches, based on everybody in the, the game. If the ball is six inches off the plate, the plate is 17 inches wide. That has been the standard for over 100 years. The plate is 17 inches wide. End of story. You shouldn't be calling pitches four inches outside, and then the next time it's a ball, and one time it's a strike. I, I don't disagree. a lot of Red Sox games. I've seen things that they're like, less than a strike all night. That. Now it's a ball. Out of where? I, I don't know. Oh, it's a curveball, but because the umpire didn't like it or he got fooled early, just like the batter did, now it's not a strike, even though that ball comes through the strike zone. How about we <coughs> excuse me, teach these umpires how to make how to umpire a game? These are the supposed to be the best of the best, and I swear I've seen better umpiring at Little League World Series games, and those guys are volunteers. This is absolutely ridiculous. You got your boy, Angel Hernandez, who I don't know how that guy is still a major league umpire after all these years. He literally gets to the point where he gives one team an extra run per game in his umpiring when he's behind the plate because he's that awful. How was that fair in baseball? And then we wonder why we can't get any fans to watch the game. This is ridiculous sounding off. I'm explain, explain to me one other thing, though. Like, Isn't one of the most entertaining things, one of the things that creates the most buzz around baseball is when you have these debates when you have these arguments doesn't that get people interested in the game like you are taking the emotion out of the game you're gonna make Dude, it nobody showed up game. to the game to watch that's, the umpire you're, I, the I know they reason. didn't i'm not that's saying the that they showed up to watch reason. the umpire we don't want to talk but about, you are taking emotion out of the game high, of baseball die hard baseball fans we're talking about it but your average fan does not want to see a pitcher get thrown out of the game because on an 0-1 Sure count, they do. What do you go to a ho- Do you understand count, hockey? They want do you go to a fight. hockey game to watch hockey or you go to watch hockey to watch Every a fight? Okay. Every single hey, person so- in the Yankees dugout did not think that he got pitched. They want to see the fight. Not an umpire throw the guy out because it was an 0-1 count. I, and I don't and agree with you. And he got caught up in, I, his, I don't in di- his feelings. Sorry, I don't disagree with you. I think the umpiring needs to be fixed. I don't think that robots are the answer. Explain to me the position of a catcher and what purpose that has as soon as you have a robot umpire. As soon as you have clear-cut robot balls and strikes, that catcher has zero purpose back there other than to just receive a – like catch it and throw it like that is the, already one of the most thankless positions on the baseball field. Explain to me how that guy is important in any way 
if he's just back there with a robot. I mean, he, he's, 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 call, he he's calling the game. the game. Thank you. Not according to Danny. First off, he's calling the game. He is in charge of keeping the ball in front of him. What are you, what are you talking about? Like yeah, the, Danny, the catcher you the calls the said, game. You said the, me. you were the one that said that the pitcher should be calling the game. That oh, if you're going to have oh, the pitch comp, you should be oh. sending it in as the pitcher, which is wrong. Well, whatever. Sorry, it's wrong. He calls the game. He blocks the ball, all which right. is his number one job. Second of all, it doesn't matter where the catcher catches the ball or what position he's in. If the ball goes through the strike zone, it's a ball. If That's, it does not, the strike zone is a, a subjective not, thing. Oh my goodness. All right. It's in so, the rule book. So I'm it's I'm gonna in the rules that way. We we've got a lot where we're gonna talk about today. We don't need to talk the entire episode about umpiring. I'm just gonna say, as a professional umpire myself, I think I've made like a couple You're hundred dollars. You're not a professional doing umpire. It. No, I get paid to umpire. That You're makes still me an a amateur. professional. No, no, I get paid. I am yeah, a professional okay. umpire. Really the definition of a professional. Whatever. Like, I've made five dollars playing Call of Duty. That means I'm a professional Call of Duty player. How'd you make five dollars playing Call of Duty? A tournament. Yeah. Get a life. Okay. Get on That's all it. I, get a life. That's all I hear from. Anyway, that. like a side, like a squirrel moment there. I all right. What I'll say. And I was telling this because, like, I'm pretty sure I missed a call in the eighth grade game that I was doing yesterday because I'm big time. And, you know, I told the coach, I was like, sorry, I think I might have missed that one. And I said, when I was in the dugout coaching, I never miss a single call. But somehow when I put the umpire uniform on, it's different. You know, it's a tough job. Umpiring is a difficult job. It's a thankless job. Like, they're not going to be perfect. There's a lot that goes into it. But what I've what I'm seeing and I see with some of the guys that I ump with and that I'm seeing with some of these major league players is that they're trying to control the game and they're doing so in a way that inserts them into the game rather than them helping facilitate the game, which is what their job should be. Umpires should facilitate the game. They should not be necessarily part of the game. And you're talking about the Yimmy Garcia incident. I think the the mad bum one was way worse that that guy goes over and throws Madison Bumgarner out in the first inning because he wants to have some sort of power struggle by staring at his staring in his eyes for 30 seconds while he's checking his hand and doing something completely off base just because Mad Bum was arguing balls and strikes like that can never happen like they the ego in some of the umpires they need to let it go they need I get he's trying to defend his other his 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 teammate but They've got to let it go. They've got to set their ego aside. You can't have an ego as an umpire. And that's the problem is that too many of the guys have too much of an ego and they think a little bit too much of themselves. And they have to remember their role is to help facilitate the game, but not be part of the game. The fact that we all know who Angel Hernandez is, is a problem. We don't, we shouldn't care who the umpires are. It should not matter. They should just be there. We should care about who the players are. I, I do not disagree with you guys, but I do not think that that gets better by just saying we're going robotic umpires. That's nobody gonna... said anything. You you're the one that brought up robot umpires. No, because what you guys do... are thinking about it the entire time. Like that's the argument you guys have been making for months. But my hey, my, can you can you teach me how is... to do that? Um... What do you call it? ESP thing where you can read my mind because I, I can know. read your mind. I don't know how you're doing that, but that's okay. But my thing is. It's part you, of Zoom now. It's you're not getting you're not getting rid of that problem by doing that. The way you get rid of that problem is holding them accountable. And so that's where it needs to start. Not just 
ousting umpires in general. That's not going to change anything because you're still going to have to have umpires and they're still going to have that pride and they're still going to throw them out for every little thing. Like, right, but they should be suspended more and they should be I fined. I agree. They should be fined. They should be mistakes. held more accountable. I agree with you on that. Let's hold them accountable. Like, I'm with you there. All right, let's stop talking about umpires because you know what? Just umpires shouldn't be part of the game. We don't need to be talking about officials. What we want to talk about is the game. So we're going to do a little bit of this or that. And we talked about this a little bit in the teaser. So just this last, just this week, we had today Christian Yelich hit for the cycle, his third cycle um, in his career. Pretty impressive. Personally, I think the cycle is a little bit overrated. I'd rather have two home runs than like a triple and a homer, but I digress a little bit here. You've got that, or if you were watching the Angels game yesterday, kind of a blowout, the Rays put in a position player to pitch. And so Anthony Rendon decides to go up there and hit left-handed, even though he's a right-handed hitter, knocks it out of the ballpark, which is just stupid. We'll, We'll have to post the video of that onto our Facebook page for you all to see. Which is more impressive, Yelly hitting for the cycle or Rendon going up and hitting a left-handed home run? I would have to say that I'm going to have to be more impressed with Andy Anthony Rendon. I think that hitting for the cycle is a very impressive feat, but it, it, it happens by people like Brock Holt. You know, who knows who Brock Holt is? I do because I'm a Red Sox fan. But outside of that, like, I mean, it just, it ran. Uh, he happens. played for the Rangers, so I know who Brock Holt is. Oh, yeah. okay. Copy that. <laughs> like, it happens. Yelly's an amazing ball player, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But Anthony Rendon, I don't care if I was out there pitching against him. The dude has never hit left-handed in his career ever, and he's out there like some slow-pitch softball beer league guy that he's got seven beers deep, and he's like, I'm going to hit left-handed. And then he perks one 411 feet over the wall off of, I don't care whether he's a position player, he's a major league baseball player, which means he can throw the baseball Give me some of that Anthony Rondon left on left-handed home run. That's some impressive stuff. I know I can't go out there and hit the ball out of the infield left-handed, let alone over the fence. Yeah, I'm with Ben on this one. Getting a home run without naturally swinging that way. If I went up right-handed to the plate, I would maybe hit a 42 hop dribbler to the pitcher, like, and that would be a success. The fact that I didn't strike out, right? So I'm I'm with that guy. Like he he's, he goes up there and swings a bat on. Like Ben said, I didn't know many of my teammates in college at North Dakota State that probably couldn't throw at least 80 miles an hour. And so you've got, even if it's a position player, he's still up there bringing it. Like he's he's still a professional baseball player. He's got a professional baseball player's arm. And you just smack one out like it's nothing. Like that's an impressive feat. Oh, there's no way he was throwing 80 miles an hour. That was going 65 tops. <laughs> like he was, he was. I don't care. Either way, harder. Either then you didn't have any of the ball out. Right, you didn't get that exit velocity off of that pitch. You got the exit velocity off of your pure strength with the bat. Like, and I think it's just a reminder to how athletic these professional athletes are. Like the like that these guys are at a whole nother level than anyone else. I just think it's super impressive. Well, I think people forget that with baseball sometimes, like how athletic they really are. Like people think it's just. Well, they're just good at that one. Like these guys can do a lot of crazy, good, amazing skilled things. Every one of these guys, I don't care if they're a relief pitcher, a middle relief pitcher. At one point they were the best 
baseball player on their little league team. You know, they could hit, they played shortstop, they pitched. All these guys were the best athletes at some point on their teams, and now they're here. That's where yep. we're at. Yeah. I will just say, Yelich, that, that ballpark in Milwaukee is big, so I can see a triple happening there. But as a left-handed hitter to pull it down the line and get a triple – beating the shift there. That's kind of impressive. That doesn't happen very often now with how they're shifting, but, um, but yeah, Rendon, I would agree with you guys that home run. That was, that was just fun. It was just, it was just fun to watch. It was kind of cool. Uh, sticking with the angels. They're kind of the in story of the, of the season so far. And if you haven't noticed, Mike Trout is back to being Mike Trout now that he's healthy again. And so would you say, Mike Trout is the best player in baseball now that he's healthy, or are you still sticking with somebody else? I, Mike Trout is hard to beat when he's healthy. That guy can do it all. He plays in the field. He is almost an impossible out. Like He's one of those guys that just does not have a weak spot to pitch to. And he, he's patient. He understands the game. Like The dude knows how to play baseball. I would be terrified of like, like any pitcher should be terrified of him every time he comes up to the plate because the dude could take over the game in one, in one minute. I don't see anyone being better than him when he is on and healthy, and that's what it looks like this year. So I'm going with Mike Trout. I'm, I'm going to kind of – it's not so much taking the field because I have one guy in mind, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. I think that if you asked me four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, it's Mike Trout. But I, but I feel like there's this guy that plays in Washington that does some amazing things, not just with the bat. He hits the ball a thousand feet. He's got an arm. He plays the field. Granted, it's right field, not center field like Trout. But give me some Juan Soto. I think that Juan Soto is the new guy. Juan Soto is amazingly fun to watch. The guy loves to play the game. And, and I think that He's got the most talent right now. Mike Trout does some amazing things. And don't get me wrong, I'm not calling Mike Trout a bum. So back up off of your comments before you start bringing them right now on me. But Juan Soto, I think that if I had to pick between the two right now, probably it's just a little bit of an age thing, but I'm going with Juan Soto. And two of my favorite stories in baseball, Juan Soto got called up to double A and his coach was like, hey, you need to find a place to live. And he's like, Nah, man, I can keep living on my on the teammates couch. I'm only going to be here for two weeks. And two weeks later, he got called up to the major leagues Like that one. So like dude is like ultimately confident, right? The other one being the first year that they did MLB Network broadcasted broadcast the draft. They invited a bunch of the top, top prospects to go to the studio there for when they got drafted and one prospect showed up and like he just kept falling and not getting drafted. And finally the 24th pick, the angels take him. It was Mike Trout. And like, I think that just speaks like who he is as a person. Why? Like I've loved cheering for him. He's just so down to earth, always wanting to be out there promoting the game in some way. It's gotta be trout. Give me some trout. Like that guy, he can do it all. He's leading the league in OPS average, you know, slugging percentage, homers everything like he's he's almost unstop unhittable or un, un, unpitchable like you can't there's no way around him right 
The other thing I saw with, that was interesting, it showed just a picture, 3-0 count, Mike Trout, bases loaded with Shohei Otani, Otani on deck. And it was like, this is every pitcher's nightmare. Like, right. What do you, what are you supposed what do you to do? do? There's, yeah. no, there's no way out. Yeah. Like, what do you do in this in this situation? I, I do. Pl- I will give the. I do play. I do play a fair amount of MLB the show. Back to some Xbox talk here, but if I'm telling you everybody on their Diamond Dynasty team, the one card you want, the one card you want to pull, and the dream card to pull out of a pack is a Mike Trout card. It's rare. It's hard, but everybody wants it, and it goes for like a million stubs every year if you if you want to sell it. Yeah. Trout's the man. Trout's the man. So let's pivot a little bit to the NBA. So we're looking at the Suns and the Warriors now. Before, when I wrote this, this hadn't happened, but the Warriors just got blown out by like 50 points to the the Grizzlies. But they've been pretty dominant in the playoffs. And you've got the new death lineup with Jordan Poole. You've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. Um... Oh, what's his name? Draymond Green. And then the Suns, they're just a really complete team. So if you're thinking who's going to make it farther in the Western Conference playoffs, Suns or Warriors right now, who are you picking? Riley. Well, so for me, I'm if they stay healthy and everybody's on there, I've got to go with the Warriors. They're too explosive. They can just like they 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 can get blown out, but that's not going to affect them, and they're going to come right back, and they're going to go blow some out the next night. I think that they can just get so explosive when they get everything going. Now, it's hard pick for me because the Suns are just able to manage games. Even when, it, like, the other night they weren't playing well, and they just managed the game. Like, they can they can kind of just stick with it, so it's a tough one. But I think ultimately the Warriors are just so explosive. I think they might get the edge there. I feel like you you made a comment about if they can stay healthy. And so I thought you were going with the Suns because you can make that comment for either of these two teams. I mean, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, kind of a history of injury playoffs, right? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Suns. Like, I think Chris Paul, that guy is hungry. That dude is starving to death. Like, he wants this. I think that Devin Booker is good. I just think that the Suns are good. And if they're able, they're the team that I would say could slow down the Warriors, meaning you're talking about explosivity. You got Chris Paul, who's one of the greatest defending point guards in the history of the NBA. You know, I mean, we got, you got, you can slow down the Warriors. I'm, I think that I would have to go with the Suns. And part of that just comes down to the pure want of it. You know, the, it's hard to stay fed. Or start to, hard to stay hungry when you're fed. And the Warriors have been fed, and maybe not in a few years, but they've been fed. Chris Paul, man, that dude is starving to death. So give it to me. Yeah, I'm probably going Suns too. And I'm just thinking matchups, right? Like they they have so many good wing defenders. Devin Booker's an underrated wing defender. Michael Bridges is an amazing wing defender. Jay Crowder is a good wing defender. And the the Warriors don't really have anybody to match up with. Um, DeAndre Ayton, you know, like he's going to be able to do things down low. Draymond Green is a really good post defender, but Ayton's just so much longer. I think that's a matchup problem for the Warriors if they end up both advancing to the next round. I think it's the Suns. The thing that gives me pause is that the Warriors, while not as hungry, 
they do have that championship pedigree. They know how to put it together. Steve Kerr's done it. Like they just, it's a team that I, that I know can do it. The Suns got there last year, but really weren't able to put it together in the finals. It's hard to bet against the Warriors with what they've done. And their offense is so explosive. Like I know you've got good wing defenders, but who do you guard out there when you've got Steph, Clay, and Poole all all humming? That's a tough, tough ask of any team. Yeah, I think for me ultimately, like it's that thing of there's always a reason why the job doesn't get done with Chris Paul. I know he's hungry, but there always seems to pop something up that's it, sometimes it's something crazy and stupid, but I just have a hard time trusting it because some freak accident or something crazy is going to happen. And I don't know, like it's, it's hard to trust that it's everything's going to go right the way it should for him. Unfortunately, I kind of feel bad for him because it always seems like something crazy happens. Is he, is he the anti Tom Brady? Like yeah. the unluckiest. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. All right. So poking bear, poke the bear sticking (laughs) with the NBA. They, uh, the NBA officially announced today that Jokic was the MVP. The news came out a couple days ago, but it is, it is official now. Jokic is the MVP, which we could talk about awards in the NBA at some other point. Cause I think some of these are a little ridiculous, but um, you know, You've got Jokic, though, back-to-back MVP. A couple of years ago, you had Giannis, back-to-back MVP. Like, if you had to pick between the two, are, we, are you going with Jokic or are you going with Giannis and why? I'm going to go with Giannis. And I know for those of you longtime listeners, I know this is really only like episode 10 for us. But for those of you that have been around for a while, you know my love of Giannis. That guy is a freak. And I think that, while Jokic is good, I don't see the same absolute ability to just carry a team and do things like what Giannis does. I mean, Giannis has led his team to a title. Jokic can barely lead his team to the playoffs, you know, and is there that big a difference between, you know, I mean, it's just sure his stats are cool, but when you're the guy on the team, your stats are going to be good. That's awesome. Show me some winning you want to be valuable, not just put points on the board. And uh, I, I give me Giannis all day. The guy just does things defensively, the chase down block. You know, I mean, I can name moments of Giannis's career where I've gone, oh, wow. And with Jokic, I'm like, uh, snooze. Let me go back to bed. Sure, he puts points up, but it's it's nothing cool. And there's nothing that gives me like, hey, this guy is the man. Like, give me some Giannis. And secondly, I do want to add really quick. And I know he's not everybody's favorite person, but it's a pretty amazing feat that LeBron James has spent 19 years in the league. And in all 19 seasons, he's gotten at least some votes for MVP. So that's a pretty amazing feat that, that, you know, I think that we shouldn't let slide by on this conversation. Hey, 19th season, he almost led the league in scoring. That's crazy. That's, that's that's crazy on a team where everybody else wanted the ball. So they were pulling it away from him. And he was actually at the beginning of the year was like doing really well with his assists totals and stuff. But yeah, um, I not a huge fan of LeBron. I respect him though. Cause yeah, that is something that's crazy to do. Anyways, back to, I like, I do agree with Ben. Sometimes I watch Jokic play and I'm like, does like, he just looks like that old man basketball player that somehow like is hard to defend and some, but like nobody can keep up with him. 
But if I'm building my my franchise around somebody, I'm going with Giannis. I just think there's so much more you can get from him and the tools that he has and some of the things that he does. I think you can build around that so easily. And I think that he's the kind of guy that can go in and take over a game and just get the team hyped and like pull that momentum and, and create that momentum ball. So if I'm building a team, I, I want Giannis at the center of it more than I probably want Jokic. Yeah, it's hard to quantify the defensive end, and Giannis definitely brings a lot more on defense than what Jokic is. Jokic is going to get more of the rebounds, but I, I just agree. I, I agree. I think nobody is as dominant as Giannis right now, and I think it's it gets to the point where MVP voters are just bored with the same old stuff. Like we don't want to just give it to Giannis every year, but like he's he's the most valuable player. Like who are the Bucks without Giannis? Look at what the Bucks as a franchise were pre Giannis and now where they are now. Like it's a completely different franchise. If you think about the Nuggets, the Nuggets are basically the same with Jokic. Like they're not really they're they're a middling team that gets into the playoffs but then doesn't really do anything come playoff time. The Bucks are a championship team now. They are a premier franchise in the NBA. That happens because of Giannis. You can't his value it's it's like Steph Curry and the Warriors. Like the value that they brought to that franchise is beyond anything else than the anyone else has put out there. So I, I don't see how you could say anybody besides Giannis as the MVP right now. Yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about NBA awards anymore because I think they're ridiculous. And the fact that, I mean, besides that John Morant got most improved player, like is just stupid. Right. Like the guy, he the was guy the number was two a, overall pick a superstar. Right. Oh, we're going to give a superstar the most last year. To a superstar. Like, come on. Yeah. Get out of town. Stupid. Dumb. Dumb. Anyway. All right. We're going to, we talked a little bit about the angels, but one of the coolest things that's happened with the angels is Reed Detmer threw a no hitter. Some Detmers. rookie Detmers I hadn't really heard of this guy before goes out, throws a no hitter. And what's been in vogue in baseball lately is like, there hasn't been a lot of solo no hitters. It's been a lot of combined no hitters as the starting pitcher goes out in the fifth or sixth inning. And then the bullpen carries it through all the way through. So it's got me asking this season, do you think that we will see another no hitter where the starting pitcher goes all the way, not a bullpen, not a combined, a solo no hitter. I, I think you do. I think that it's just something that happens in baseball a couple of like it happens and you get a pitcher that's on a hot one that night and things are just going their way. And as long as, you know, they keep their pitch count down, the deeper we get into the season, you know, pitchers are allowed to go deeper into games. You're already seeing pitchers being able to go, you know, hundred plus pitches. So the deeper that they can go into games, the better chance you have at that. And you're going to get those hot pitchers and they're going to have that night where it just, everything goes right. And things are, things are working. I think you do see another one this season. I I agree. First of all, I want to mention, I don't give a flying hoot about a no hitter that the Mets threw with 27 pitchers on their roster. I, I could care less. Sure. I could claim I threw a no hitter because that combined for a four person, no hit bid. And when I was a junior in high school, does that make, does that, does that count? Can I say I threw a no hitter? No, I can't. No, that's garbage. So moving on. 
Yes, I think that we will. And part of the reason is we've seen that opportunity come up multiple times this year, really close to some guys. Just that same night, Justin Verlander lost a no-hitter in the eighth inning. I mean, we were that close to having two no-hitters in the same night. So I do think that we will have another no-hitter at some point this year. Uh, I think that, you know, this guy was his 11th start ever in the major leagues and gets a no-hitter. You know, I mean, I think it's possible Somebody's going to get a hot hand. We've had it multiple close calls already this year, and we're in the middle of May. I think that we're going to have something. I just don't care about the six-pitcher combined no-hitter from the Mets. Nobody cares. Yeah, combined no-hitters. It's. I mean, it's a cool story, but it's not. Yeah, it's not really a thing. Yeah. All right. The I, combined I no-hitter – the combined no hitter is the equivalent of like the 10 run rule no hitter in high school, right? Like I threw a no hitter and we beat them in three innings, 15 to nothing. Like that's not a no hitter. Get out of here. Hey, well, I will just say that during our state championship run my senior year, Drew Johnson threw three straight no hitters and all of them were 10 run games. But <laughs> you know, it was three straight no hitters. That's, that's pretty impressive. Well, and I'm saying that where the only no hitter I threw in college was a five inning 10 run rule against like the worst team in the league, but it and was a no hitter and you'll take it. It was a no, you'll take it. Yeah. Well, it's like how Madison Bumblegardner didn't get credit for the perfect the, game. Cause it was, it was a seven, seven, innings. Inning seven game. innings. Yeah. The double header. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, to close this out, one last thing, rich strike. We talked about it in the opening, but 80 to one odds to win the Kentucky Derby kind of got in last minute as a replacement. No one expected anything out of him was in a bad starting position that run the last 30 seconds of the race to come from where he was to come up and win. And like, do you guys hear the, hear the announcers? He's just, right. yeah. no, it was, um, yeah. it's Mike Tirico and he wasn't even mentioning him. He was talking about, I can't even epicenter epicenter and the other guy. I can't remember the other horse's name. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, there's this horse come out of nowhere. Like he was shot out of a cannon and wins by a full length. I'm like, where did this guy come from? And you watch the ride. It's the owner's first Kentucky Derby, the trainer's first Kentucky Derby and the jockey's first Kentucky Derby. And they win the darn thing. It was an amazing ride by that jockey. He kind of goes in like he's swerving in and out of traffic then gets along the rail and just takes off. Like it was, crazy the aerial footage the drone footage is the best because you can you can really see what's happening you don't get to see it as well from the from the side but the drone footage you're like man it it was so awesome his name wasn't even in the conversation until three seconds left in the race and then all of a sudden it was like a full length he wins like what yeah man and the people that put their money on rich strike they struck it rich that's 20 dollar bets 20 dollar bed is six sixteen hundred bucks like how are you gonna go wrong yeah and not to get too in depth into horse racing um but you know part of the reason he was able to do that was because they went out in the fastest quarter mile ever in the history of the kentucky derby so a lot of those horses battled to get to where they were and then they didn't have any gas left and he was able to just kind of hang back hang back hang back found a lane and took off so you know i mean that's that's how it happens, but you know how anything with upsets, you need a little bit of luck. Yeah, incredible story, and it got us thinking. You know, what are the biggest underdog stories? Or your favorite underdog story in the history of sports? And so, Mister, I've been to Boston once, so I love everything Boston. I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, 
your favorite underdog story. Okay. So my favorite underdog story is not in Boston. It comes from a team out of Foxborough, Massachusetts. So, you know, totally different. It's an entirely different town. All right. It's still in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, but that would be the 2001 Patriots with the great, the greatest living American, Sir Thomas Brady. He comes out of nowhere as a 199th pick in the draft, his second season, and Drew Bledsoe gets cheap shotted along the sidelines early in the season. And here's Tom Brady leads this team into the Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf in the St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce. And these guys were like unstoppable. And here comes Tom Brady with a comeback in the last two minutes drives his team down the field. And then you got Adam Vinatieri putting it through the uprights for the win. I remember where I was at. I was at the university of San Diego doing a speech and debate tournament, watching on at a projector screen. Like nobody would have predicted that that happened. And there's Tom Brady just shaking his head with confetti falling around him for the first super bowl of his career. As we know, that turns into the greatest career in the history of the NFL. I remember watching the pregame show for that Super Bowl and every single expert picked the Rams. I think there was like one person that picked the Patriots and basically everyone was like laughing, like, really, really? Like there was nobody, nobody thought the the Patriots shouldn't have even been there. You've got you've got the tuck rule, you know, you've got the which Tom Brady kind of admitted this week that it was a fumble. Probably like he he didn't want to fully admit it, but it was like a kind of admit, you know? Yeah. That's, that's just the greatest. Yeah. That, that one, I remember just nobody thought that was going to happen. Um, And you keep saying Tom Brady's the greatest living American, you know, but I mean, Chris Evans, you know, (laughs) Just throwing that out. He, he's, his backside is America's backside. I'm just saying. He's a buff actor. That's all he is. He, he's not really Captain America. Come on. Tom Brady's Captain America. I don't know. Paul Rudd dubbed, Paul Rudd dubbed his backside America's backside. That's Absolutely. America's so, backside. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. I don't know, man. So just throwing that out there. All right, Riley. I'll let you go. All right. For me, I'm going to go with like the true americans that were actually wearing usa on their chest the 1980 u.s patriots patriots it's basically the u.s flag usa on their chest not the patriots all right so 1980 u.s men's hockey team just what a story nobody thought they had a chance to even be in the conversation with the ussr in the beginning we've all seen the movie i was you know negative 12 years old when it happened so Obviously, I don't remember it, but none of us do. We we're None of us were born. But one of the greatest stories that's ever happened, and you cannot downplay how amazing that, that feat truly was. They preliminarily coming up to the Olympics were nowhere in any conversation ever. They hadn't even come close to touching the USSR, and then they just – they went out and they just – with guts and heart and a bunch of college hockey players put together the greatest championship hockey's ever known. And a terrible decision by the coach of the USSR to pull his goalie. Yes. Pull the best goalie in all of hockey for no reason. I mean, let's, it takes a little bit of luck. It It takes takes a a little bit of luck to for those underdogs. That's it. A Ruzioni with the goal. Yeah. Like that's, that one's great. Uh, love the movie. 
the one that I was thinking of, which also is before my time. So Ben's going with one that we lived. I thought that was, I think that's cool. But as a baseball history fan, I think about the greatest upset in world series history. It's gotta be the 60, 1960 pirates taking down the Yankees. And they talk about the 61 Yankees as possibly the greatest baseball team to ever ever take the field the 60 the 60 Yankees are essentially the, the same team I mean you've got Yogi Berra Mickey Mantle Roger Maris you've got Whitey Ford pitching and like if you look at these games you know the Pirates come out there with Vern Law they've got our young Roberto Clemente they've got Doug Doug Yost there and or Grout sorry and they win game one, but then the games that they lose, they lose 16 to three, they lose 10 to zero, and they lose 12 to nothing. And then the games they win, they win by a combined uh, six runs, right? And then you've got the walk-off game seven, Bill Mazeroski, just an incredible World Series. The fact that they were able to take down the Yankees, I just think that's a, an amazing story. And seeing all of that happen, Mazeroski, a light hitting second baseman to hit a home run to win the World Series. All of it was just supremely improbable and is, is awesome. Like, which Did one you of know the things that we the, about sports. The Yankees outscored Pittsburgh 55 to 27 in the series and did not win the World Series. They more than doubled the amount of runs that the Pirates scored and didn't win that series. Come on. Yeah. So all that matters is. What happens you win at the, the end right of the day? Game. Did you win the game? <laughs> You've got to win the games in the yeah. You Nobody win the cares right how games. many how much you won your games by. It's how many games you won. It's it. Yeah, that's the one that for me, Mike. That's got to be the greatest upset, at least in baseball history, um, ever. So the one that I think about. Well, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you coming in. Yeah, hopefully you like us. If you have anything to say comment on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think. If you have an upset that really sticks out to you, your favorite one, we were talking about some NCAA basketball ones. There was a couple others in there, but yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think is the greatest upset in sports history and tell Riley he's wrong. It's time for us to have bring in robot. Ups, it's not right? get out of here. Uh, so um, check us out I'm, on YouTube. I'm actually hey. sad to be related to you guys right now. <laughs> That's all right. We're we're older, so we we're always right. That Gosh, matter what you say. Here. We're older. That's what you get for being old and cranky. Well, we appreciate you guys coming in and listening to us again. This is Sound the Horn podcast. I'm oh, excited you about YouTube week. for all of you listeners. Check it out. Yeah, see if you like the video. Let us know what you think. We out. <laughs>